It's Wednesday afternoon. Time once again to say hello, hello. to uh, Paul Harrison from Walk the Talk for a bit of Hong Kong history. And uh, we're going to talk about pottery today. Mm, I thought we should, at the end of year, we should go to pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm well on the way. I'm well on the way to doing that. Uh, this is the Wun Yu Kiln site. Yes. In uh, southwest of Taipo Market. That's right. Tell me how old this site is or how old this pottery is. Well, they've been making pottery there for about 400 years. Really? Wow, that's a long time. And it was such a big pottery that archaeologists, when they find the local pots here, call it Taipo ware. Uh, as archaeologists, we like to name pots after where it came from. Some of them are Ming Dynasty, but they're not the Ming Dynasty pots that go for an absolute fortune on Hollywood Road. Mm. These are the Ming Dynasty pots that the average peasant used to eat his rice. <laughs> and they supplied the whole of this area of Canton from this valley um, up from Taipo. Was, was it a very clayy area? Clay, how do you yeah. say that? Clay area. Yes, a lot um, of clay in the area. Well, clay is actually made from kaolin, and kaolin is made from degraded feldspar, and feldspar is one of the components of granite. And the largest lump of granite in Hong Kong is in the highest mountain, Tai Mo Shan, and this is one of the ways up Tai Mo Shan. Okay. So on the way down above Tai Po, there's some very rich deposits of kaolin, and that with what was able to feed the industry because you need kaolin, you need ceramics, you need workers, you need fuel and you need a ready market because mm. Tai Po was one of the two markets serving Hong Kong in the past, the other being Yunlong. So um, it was fairly basic, all fairly basic pottery? Yes, um, as far as we know, everything that they made for the 400 years was just for the local people to use as, as everyday pottery. Okay. Um, uh, we don't have any evidence of any fine pottery being made there. And is it now in use, not in use? No, they stopped making them in 1932 because it was no longer economic. It could be done much cheaper elsewhere they, where they had people who were poorer so can do it for less and more kaolin deposits. Right. I guess after 400 years, the small deposits... The, relatively small deposits there were beginning to get exhausted because mm. each firing that they did would they would process 10,000 pieces of pottery my goodness that was a big kiln then mm. they're called dragon kilns because they they were long laid down chimneys um, and they'd issue smoke at one end because you have the fire at one end right. and the 10,000 pots and all the kiln furniture and how do they get the pots in? It's big enough to walk in. Oh, right. So you would go, you'd make the 10,000 pots and have everything ready and then do a one big firing, which could be three or four months' work, and take everything in. So the dragon would come alive once every three times a year or so and process all these pots that they'd been made for. So if you've got, the, season. you've got the fire at one end, would you get different sort of outcomes from pots from the ones closer yeah. to the fire as to mm. the ones right down the uh, other they, end? They will generally heat up, and so uh, the heat will become the same throughout. Right. Um, they do have little triangulars with holes in, which are the test pieces that tell the, the kiln operators how hot it's got, and they can gauge from that. 
Okay. Um, how hot it's got. Occasionally they're found on the site because it's been excavated three times by archaeologists. The first time by in 1950 by Professor Drake, who we did when we did the Lee Chungok tomb. Mm-hmm. That's in Kowloon. There's a Han Dynasty tomb that we talked about before. Yeah. And then more recently in 1995 and 1999, an archaeologist called Mr. Al dug them up. And what has he dug up? What? Has Mr. Al found, what were found at each of the um, Well, the, one of the interesting things about the site is that there's the whole industry of there represented in the valley. There's the clay mines, the pits uh, up Lead Mine Pass, and then this the clay would need to be broken up and purified. So there's some remains of water mills on the way down where there would probably be trip hammers powered by water that would uh, thump and smash the clay up into smaller pieces. Then these smaller pieces would be ground up by having a a cattle walk round with a big stone wheel and this survives uh, almost completely. It doesn't have the wooden components, doesn't have the cow. (laughs) (laughs) But there's the complete trackway. Uh, and the stone surviving, and the stone would roll around in this, being driven by the poor cow and crunching up the ceramics into smaller pieces. Okay. Then it would need to be washed, so there were some pits in the area where the clay would be washed and have water added to it. Some of them don't survive because the locals built a house on one of them. And then there's the kilns that I talked about. There's even a temple, the only temple in Hong Kong dedicated to a pottery god, or three pottery gods. The founders of Chinese pottery are three brothers called um, Fan Yat Long, Fan Yi Long, and Fan Sam Long, which means Fan, the family name, first brother, second brother and third brother it is an easy way to name your children if you <laughs> can't think of what name to have them it saves any argument if you just call them first second and third brother but this this temple is called the fan sin temple yes right and that still survives and that's been uh done up i'm looking at a leaflet that's how i know that's how i sound so knowledgeable it's very colorful the fan sin temple it's very nice because it's been um done up recently mm. and there's the 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 people who actually did the work well it started off because it was in the manor land hong kong used to be divided up into f- five great clans the mans the pangs the Liu's, the tangs and the house and this was in the man area and the Mans and the Jairs ran the kiln from when it was set up in 1600. But then in the 1662s, we've often mentioned, there was the coastal evacuation because of Japanese pirates, and everyone had to withdraw 50 miles inland. So when they came back in 1669, one of the peoples coming back were the Mars, who are hackers from Wuhua County in China. And they said, we want, would rather like to be potters in this new land. Um, can we buy this uh, kiln off you? So the Mars sold, bought the kiln off the Mans and the Jairs and have been run it, run, run it after that. 
Can you can the, the public go and see the remains? Is it open to the yeah, public? The uh, kiln survives on the hill. You don't see much other than lots of tiny potsherds in the hill and bumps on the ground. You can't get into it because of fencing. Um, the ancestral hall of the Mars survive. Um, the the temple survives and the grinding wheel survives. Uh, if you go up Leadmine Pass and you see some holes, they'll probably be the where the pots came from. Uh, it would take a skilled eye to find the um, the where the trip hammers were at the water mill, right. but it's the picture of it on the photographs. The Antiquities and Monuments Office, to encourage tourism and education, uh, produced a leaflet. So if you go to the AMO offices, either in Kowloon Park or their, where they have the Heritage Resource Centre or their office on uh, the old Western School next to St Andrew's Church. They give out the leaflets there. I brought in some pots to show Sarah. Um, one <laughs> is of four like rice bowls of blue and white, which just have a simple decoration of three almost vertical lines going round. But um, glaze is sticky, as any potter might tell you, and because they were dealing with 10,000 pots at the same time, these got stuck together in the firing. So the potters, when they were taking apart the kiln, came to these and Couldn't uttered them. some naughty words and threw them away, and so they survived in the area, and I keep them for my reference collection because I do some talking on archaeology. How did you get your hands on those? Well, I thought because I used them for <laughs> uh, in the trade, um, it's not naughty for me to pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> there see. are a lot of them there and I use it for education. Right. And what's the other thing you show me? The other thing I brought in is um, everyone thinks of pots, just the pottery that you actually use, but the pottery workers themselves need some pottery furniture in there or else you could only just cover the floor with your pots and you couldn't have any vertical... You would mm. be able to cook a lot less pots because you'd only have them on one level. So they also have... Um, kiln furniture, we call it, which is a lot cruder pottery. You can see big bits of grit in the glaze, and whereas the porcelain is fine whiteware, this has a lot of red um, iron oxide in the clay. It hasn't been refined to anything amount of degree, and it's got a, a simple glaze on top, not a shiny glaze. And this is the kiln and furniture. It's kind of like the shelves yes. for the pots to go on. Yeah, that's a good word. The shelves for them to cook in. Mm. And one sits inside the other. And these kiln furniture merge together in the heating too. So they said some rude words and threw these away too. That's got very hot in there. What kind of it, temperatures it, would it... It's over a thousand degrees centigrade, so too hot for a sauna. Mm. I never knew about that uh, that kiln and the the uh, pottery site. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Paul, have a very happy new year. And you too. And we'll see you in it. Thanks. Okay, thank you.